Episode 2 of the Kometi Williams Podcast. Thank you for listening. Jimmy with Mark Kometi in the studio with me, not alongside me, not next to me, but across the desk, as we said last week. Glad we figured that out, Jimmy. How you going, Mark? I'm well, mate. I'm well. How are you? I'm going very well. Another big week in sports. So much to cover. Some quirky stories. A lot coming up. Best of three AFL Grand Final Series potentially on the cards for the AFL. LeBron James goes past Wilt Chamberlain in the top five all-time scorers list. Dana White and Walid Ali on Channel 10. That was a fascinating conversation. And you foreshadowed this last week. Mello has left the building. Oh, yeah, the, the Houston building, it seems. <laughs> Wonder if he'll come back. We'll get to that a little bit later. And one of the most exciting prospects in basketball right now, he doesn't even play in the NBA, Zion Williamson. I can't wait to chat about him. The man child, yeah. We'll get to him a little bit later in the show, I think, Jimmy. But, yeah, he's a uh, interesting one, to say the least. Mark, I want to talk about the idea that the AFL may be moving towards a best of three grand final series. Now, we spoke about this on episode one. I'm a Saints man. You're a Bombers man. Allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) Allegedly. Are we really heading for a best of three AFL grand final series? Do you think that's going to help the game? I'm not sure it helped the game. It might help the game's pockets uh, to a degree. (laughs) Um, It depends on what they're thinking. I mean, if you're talking about potentially moving it from the MCG um, to like a home ground advantage, I mean, it has its place. However, I just don't think it's feasible for the sport. I don't think it lends itself to our game. Um, some sports it does. I don't think it lends itself to the NFL either, the American football. I don't think there should be a series in the Super Bowl. Uh, just like I don't think there should be more than one grand final here. I'm They'd... just a bit of a you know traditionalist in that aspect. But also I think the sport, because it's contact, injuries, stuff like that, it's not really that you're going to stretch it out over a month then. What are you going to do? If they had to play three Super Bowl games, they'd be hard-pressed to get the talent for the three halftime shows. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and escape without controversy. <laughs> I mean, which one would be the biggest one then? You know, who, who you know, what do you what do you pay? You got Gaga, you've got you know Janet Jackson would be in there. Your man Drake would surely get a gig. Ah, oh, they're a bit tentative about going hip hop after the whole Janet Jackson thing, though. You know, so uh, they're a bit careful. You know, they like the nostalgia bands. Gaga gets up there, but that's about it. If we go back to this year, the Eagles win the flag. They win it on the MCG in the first game. Yes, they finished above Collingwood, so the Eagles would play a home game in game one and then travel to the MCG in game two. And if it was needed, they'd played the third AFL grand final at Optus. Oh, well, you'd assume that's how it'd be played, for sure. Right. But whether or not that would work, obviously people would complain about the travel. Imagine having to travel to Perth twice in three weeks uh, for game three. Well, they wouldn't be having that, would they, Jimmy? But West Coast, in fairness, have to travel every second week in the regular season. I'm just saying, the, the Victorians would not like that. Um, the teams from over there wouldn't like that at all. Uh, so it's an interesting dynamic, but also the nostalgia of having the grand final at the MCG. I think there's something to be said about that. But I do agree with if you finish on top, you should. And 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 there's so many good stadiums in in the AFL these days that you should be given some sort of advantage. You would think, especially if the Victorian team finishes below you. Um, so it's interesting, interesting dynamic, but I don't think it lends itself to the best of three regardless. 
I suppose the conversation is a fair one to have, uh, but the fact of the matter is, as you pointed out, the AFL Grand Final uh, agreement is at the MCG till 2057, regardless of who's in it. It's a fair amount of time, isn't it? <laughs> it's a long way away. So can, can they can they bend the rules, though, to say one of them has well, to be there? What's one, a, one out of the three, regardless of if, if it's Brisbane versus uh, West Coast? What's in a contract anymore? Well, I'm not sure. I'm not a contractual uh, agreement lawyer here at all. We see them get broken all the time, but I mean, I can understand where the interstate clubs and fans are coming from. Of course, I think it's a good discussion to have, but I, I certainly don't want to see it happen. I mean, let's go back to the Bulldogs and Sydney a few years back when on, on all that momentum, the doggies had the week off and then they steam rolled home to win the flag. Mm-hmm. From, Peeled up. So we're going to be seeing, we'd see two games in Sydney. So if we had a best of three, would because Sydney finished higher than the Bulldogs that year, mm-hmm. would we have seen a, a Bulldogs flag back in 2016? Yeah, well, it creates an interesting dynamic in that does it then allow these teams that pull out a magical day to have to prove it again? Because, um, I mean, that can happen on the day, which is part of the beauty of the grand final. Same with the Super Bowl. Um, same with the NCAA tournament in, in the States with the basketball. Um, so the beauty of it is if you have a good day, you can win it all. So... Does that work over a best of three? Uh, chances are no. It sort of works out more like probably an NBA sort of the way it works is the best team normally wins the series, doesn't it? I mean, there's not too many surprises in the NBA because of the series. Can I put you on the spot here? I'm, uh, go- I'm going, going to. to. Yes. Did the best team win the grand final this year? The AFL grand final? Well, that's a whole nother debate. I'd, I... Out of the two, you can make the argument they were the best team, but definitely you wouldn't have picked them going in, um, for sure. Uh, you probably wouldn't have picked Collingwood to make it either. So no, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, so it's one of those things where out of the two teams, out of out of Collingwood and West Coast, you could definitely make the the argument that West Coast were the better team, no doubt. Uh, but I'm sure people could make the argument that Collingwood were the better team because they're informed too going into that game. So it's interesting, but that's a whole other debate because I happen to think. West Coast were one of the most underwhelming teams that have won the grand final in recent history. What do you mean when you say underwhelming? Well, I just think, I mean, no disrespect to them because they're still, when you look through their team, they've got good backs, good mids, great forwards. Um, So they've got talent everywhere. But I just think if you put them up against the 2006 West Coast team, who wins and by what margin? I think it's a pretty one-sided affair in 2006. uh, Take it pretty easy. Put it that way. Interesting. Mark, I always appreciate your thoughts. A very fascinating view on it. Uh, And it's important to not forget that they did it without those three players, you know, Andrew Gaff, Brad Shepard, and Nick Natanui, who would be in their their best three. So a best of three AFL grand final series. Could it be coming? We will wait and see. Another big week in the NBA, and I suppose we should start with the Golden State Warriors because a little bit of a feud took place during the week between Kevin Durant and Draymond Green, and it's been fascinating to watch it unfold all week. Draymond Green copped a suspension. There was all sorts of people trying to calm each other down. Let's not forget, DeMarcus Cousins is still on the boundary. What's going to happen when he joins in on this? Yeah, well, he was the calming voice in Draymond's head, so you know that's... uh... A bit of an odd situation if DeMarcus is coming in as the voice of reason, so to speak, there. So it was interesting because DeMarcus Cousins, a few people may not remember, but he actually had a bit of an issue with Durant back in the day too. 
uh, when he was still at the Kings. They had a, a big run in. Um, so there could be still some sort of tension there as well underlying. Uh, and now with him on the team, you never know how that could split the team a bit more, especially I think Draymond and, and DeMarcus would identify with each other a little bit as far as uh, personality type goes. Uh, so they're passionate to say the least. Well, they are passionate. They're the champions. Why wouldn't they be passionate? And is this a sign of things to come? Well, it was interesting, wasn't it? So the, the play, for those that didn't see it, the play was there was a rebound up for grabs. Draymond sort of come in and, and grabbed it away from KD. KD's then called for the ball back in the in the backcourt. Draymond's continued to push the ball up, leading to a turnover when the game was all tied up in the dying seconds. It's gone to overtime then. The Warriors have lost in overtime. Uh, but during that timeout after that play, there was a very heated exchange where Durant was sort of saying, give me the ball, give me the ball, and slapping his chest. Draymond then, continued, then started to, uh, it appears to cuss him out, as they say in the US. He walked away. He did, but no, but not before he said some very heated things. And then Durant sort of backed off. You could see Durant back off with his, with his verbal a bit towards Draymond. Uh, Clay Thompson was sitting in the middle trying to figure out what the hell was going on. Uh, and then Draymond left left the area and DeMarcus Cousins was trying to calm him down. Now, it was said that he said the B word, as they say in the US, which is a, it was a trigger word uh, in the US, but especially among the African-American community. They right. do not like that when it's used in the, in the serious contents towards each other. Uh, so Rhymes with stitch. Yes, it does. It does. So they get very uh, thingy about that when it is said, uh, as, as most people do as a man, if it's said by another man directly to you in a serious way. Uh, so there was that, and there's also some underlying sort of tension about the whole free agent scenario that's going to lead with Kevin Durant after this season. So there's been rumours circulating that there's some tension in the locker room because of that. Now, they've been pouring cold water on that completely, but however, for Draymond to get suspended, it's been stipulated that he did go there, and maybe not in that moment, but afterwards in the locker room, apparently it must have escalated again. Suspended by the Warriors, by yes. the own team, not the NBA. Yeah, well, that's that's what makes it a bit even stranger. $120,000 fine, suspended by your own team. So clearly it escalated to another level in the <laughs> locker room. But also, it's, it's weird because it, the dynamic is the owners are backing Kevin Durant, clearly in that situation. Draymond's done a lot for that team and sort of homegrown and grown organically with that team. Uh, into the player that he is, but they're picking the new kid over Draymond. So you've got to wonder what that makes Draymond feel like too, as far as his allegiance to the Warriors. I'd love your take on uh, on this, and this is what Stephen A. Smith had to say. You know what? You see, I got to be very, very careful because remember, I'm the same guy that apologized to Mama Durant. You understand what I'm saying? Because I thought that the move to Golden State was the weakest move I've ever seen by a superstar, and I stand by that. That's the only negative thing that I've ever said about Kevin Durant because I happen to think that he's a really, really good guy and a phenomenal player. But he's just so wrong in that regard. I give anything to have been that report. You're going to tell me what the hell I ask? Now, you have a right not to comment. You have a right to say no comment and, and ignore the question. You can do all of that because that's your freedom. But to look, if, if that man had looked me in my face and told me, don't ask me again, I'd have been like, oh, what? What you going to do? And I'd have asked the same damn question again. What the hell is he going to do? Not a damn thing. See, this is the problem. If you raised up like that on Draymond Green, maybe he would never thought to raise up on you like that. So that was Stephen A. Smith responding to Kevin Durant getting a little bit upset with reporters asking questions about what happened. Yeah, well, that was interesting, wasn't it? Because that wasn't the initial press conference after the game in question. It was actually after Draymond had returned to the team. 
Uh, so I think it was after the loss to the Rockets, uh, which they got blown out in and looked terrible in. Uh, that, and that was Draymond's first return game. He's basically was getting in, in the rants about, you know, having attitude with the reporter, as Kevin sometimes does lately, and not sort of having that same attitude with Draymond when he was sort of stepped to. However, it did look like Kevin was sort of dishing it out pretty well at the in the initial <laughs> part of that tiff that him and Draymond had on court. So... Uh, I get where Stephen A's coming from, but yeah, he's just basically saying pick on someone your own size as far as uh, don't go after the media when you know you can sort of make them scared of asking certain questions and stuff like that if they're not established media over there. The Warriors are Steph's team, right, Mark? Yeah, I think I think situations like this really point to that because Steph wasn't playing that game. Um, so it's like sort of when the teacher was away, then the kids started to play up. <laughs> well, it's true because Steph's got a very calming demeanor and for some reason he seems to be the Draymond Whisperer in that he could tell Draymond what to do without obviously offending Draymond in any way because Draymond is a little hostile and, and excitable at times. But should he have passed the ball to KD? 100%. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you give the ball up. That's your closer right there, especially especially if Steph's not on the court. So you, he's calling for it. Give him the ball in the backcourt. I mean, Draymond's a good playmaker too, but in that situation, that's all KD. That's what he's there for. I completely agree. So especially if Steph's not on the court. Give the ball to KD and just move on. Uh, I think Draymond, if he looked back at that play, probably thinks maybe that was the right thing to do. Not that Draymond would maybe admit that. Uh, but uh, Draymond's apology was interesting too, or his so-called apology, his first uh, speaking to the media about it. He never said, I'm sorry. He just said, that's me. That's what I do. That's why we win the way we do. Sometimes it doesn't serve me. But there was never an apology uh, or, or any indication that he was sorry about what he said to KD. Now, he may have said that in person, uh, then there was this little setup where they were having a shoot around on court before the game for the media and gave each other a very underwhelming uh, low five to each other after a made bucket where they were sort of isolated down one end by themselves. It looked a little bit set up and cheesy. And it also brings up another question of obviously the whispers of Kevin Durant moving on. Now, does this sort of start to shake that foundation? Um, you can see who the owner's backing in this situation, obviously Durant. So they want him to stick around. But you wonder where the rest of the team's alliance allegiance rather is is to probably Draymond because he's been there and he's the one who's already said I want to stick around like the other guys have the only one that's sort of the odd man out is Durant one because he came in later two because he hasn't committed beyond this year to the Warriors and nothing else he says he's leaving his options open which is fair enough but you just wonder if the owner is now taking Durant's side because he's obviously the best player in that situation even greater than Draymond uh, where does that put the rest of the team and does that start to throw certain dynamics off and chemistry and stuff like that? So it'll be very interesting to watch because the only thing that can beat the Warriors, I think most of us will agree, is themselves. He's tied well for number five and he can pass him with a free throw. Now with this free throw, LeBron James to become the fifth leading scorer in NBA history, passing the great Will Chamberlain. Number five. Now, one thing you and I definitely have in common, Mark, and I know this is our love for LeBron James. We both got a pair of LeBron shoes. I'm sure you've got a collection of jerseys like I do. And during the week, he moved into the top five all-time scoring list. He passed Wilt Chamberlain, who was on 31,419. LeBron, 31,420 with that bucket, and he's now in the top five. And more importantly, 
In number four is Michael Jordan. Now, I don't want to get bogged down into a debate on this, but you would have seen Michael Jordan play uh, a lot more than I would have. I would have been a very, very little young child, baby, even. <laughs> yeah, yeah, little, little toddler. <laughs> and I'm curious as to what does this mean now if LeBron catches Michael Jordan, which he could very well do this season, where does that put us in this current debate of who is the greatest? Well, uh, for full disclosure, Michael Jordan was drafted in 1984. I was born in 83. So I didn't really, I can't sort of comment on his whole career as a whole. Uh, but I definitely was heavily into basketball, and basketball was my main sport in high school. Um, I was pretty good at it too, Jimmy, just uh, just saying quietly. Um, but uh, no, I definitely remember the second three-peat very well, and Jordan was sort of my god in high school. Um, Alan Iverson was right there too. The answer. Uh, the answer, yep, after Jordan left. So AI was my next guy. Uh, but Jordan was that guy for me. I had him plastered all over my walls. I wanted to get the Jordan shoes as soon as possible. They were very hard to get back then. I now own far too many pairs of LeBrons. <laughs> I've got to say that because, you know, I have my own income now and there's much more colorways going on and stuff like that. Back then there was only a few different colors you could get. Uh, but I had my mum follow me around everywhere, taking me to every shopping center to get those Jordans back in the day. So I'm a huge Jordan fan. I'm a huge LeBron fan. Uh, now, when you compare the two, obviously, as I said, I can't comment as Mike probably in in peak. I probably missed a little bit of that. But his, his last three were great. Uh, when you go back and watch the footage, it was great. Uh, he was the greatest winner maybe we've ever seen, along with Bill Russell and stuff like that. But Jordan, just his will to win and stuff like that, just that that intangible you can't beat with, with MJ. Uh, LeBron has so many other things that I think MJ wasn't as good at as he is as far as the court vision, everything like that. So in, in a really long-winded answer to your uh, to your question is I think they're, they're neck and neck. Uh, really, I do. Um, Jordan, obviously, with the championships, Bron's never going to equal that. He's never going to be six for six. We know that. Uh, but if you're penalised for getting your team there so much and losing, I mean, is it better to go out in the first or second round? I mean, that's what the the American media will have you believe yeah, because yeah. you don't get criticised as much for that as, as getting there and not being able to get the job done. Uh, but I think LeBron has taken some pretty ordinary teams to the finals. And in terms of games played, he's already 146 more games played in total, including playoffs over yeah, Michael Jordan. That's LeBron. So, so, so MJ obviously did the scoring in a, a less amount of time. But having said that, you would look at MJ as far more of a scorer. But that was his first priority all the time. LeBron was sort of, people say he's a pass-first guy, which I don't think is 100% correct because he's obviously a scorer if he's top five all time. Yeah, right. Um, so I think that sort of, he gets disrespected a little bit on that level there. But I think he's played into that as well. That He is definitely much more of a passer and much he's got much more Magic Johnson about him than Michael Jordan did. He's like a combination of those two. So he has both. Um, so he's going to be right up there on the assist list too. That's the thing that people forget, which Jordan will not have. Um, so Jordan did it in less time, yes, but he was much more of a scorer. As I said with Jordan uh, last week, one thing about MJ, you always knew he was going to get his points, regardless whether he's having an off-night shooting or what. Bron's a little bit shyer than MJ if he's not. He's not going to put up that volume every night as, say, Kobe or MJ did. When you look at probably – the funny one is when you look at Kobe and LeBron – uh, because LeBron has actually reached scoring milestones quicker than Kobe, and they're much more comparable because they're similar ages. Both came straight out of high school. Uh, Kobe's considered much more of a scorer than LeBron, 
but LeBron's sort of beating him at his own game. So it's interesting on that aspect when you talk about it like that. So, But yeah, as far as LeBron and MJ go, I honestly think you can't call that race. Uh, LeBron, far better athlete. And I say far better athlete is ridiculous to say someone's a far better athlete than MJ. <laughs> but really is. He's a specimen like we've never seen. Uh, so from that point of view, all LeBron. So pure talent, LeBron. Intangibles, MJ. So we can call it a draw for different reasons. But... I think MJ would have a far harder time in this league being MJ. He would have to change his game a lot. Just because when you look at the one thing that's staggering when you look back at the footage, obviously the game was much more physical back then. So maybe he could average more points like people say. I mean, all the old players reckon they could average 40 or 50 in today's game, which I think is a bit uh, far-stretched, Jimmy, when you hear Tracy McGrady saying he could average 50 (laughs) points. I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. So none of these guys could average 50, but you could. Uh, so that's a little odd, but uh, one thing you do notice is how slight MJ looks. Definitely, I mean it's it's weird because the game was far more physical. But when you when you're used to watching LeBron run around, and then you see MJ, you think dude's small. Mm. So LeBron's a much bigger dude. So it'd be interesting. So uh, as I said, intangibles MJ, uh, will to win MJ, talent LeBron. So where do where do you judge? What do, what do you go? It's a tough debate and it will certainly continue to rage on, I think, for as long as LeBron keeps playing basketball and achieving all of these uh, all of these feats that he's done and, and who knows, perhaps winning another ring to, to try and, uh, I suppose, prove to the haters that, you know, the rings do count. And I think it was the manner that LeBron got to that milestone as well, which was impressive. It was the epitome of a LeBron James game. 44 points, 10 rebounds, and of course, one assist shy of a triple-double, which he's done so many times. Uh, but not only that, he only took 19 shots to get the 44 points, five for six for three. So he took those Kobe fans and said, here's what an efficient game looks like to get 44 points. And an interesting stat as well is that is the highest scoring Lakey game since one Kobe Bean Bryant scored 60 in his retirement game uh, previously a few years ago for the Lakers. So interesting. There is another talent in basketball. He's not in the NBA right now. But he's one freakish player. His name is Zion Williamson, and he's got an amazing highlight reel and a can of worms, I suppose, opening up in the US because the one-and-done rule is now back up for debate. Zion Williamson, in his first three games in college, is averaging a double-double, 25 points, 10 rebounds, and he's shooting 82% mark. 82%. Yeah, it's not bad, is it? I mean... uh... Yeah, Zion had a lot of hype coming out of high school, but you couldn't really tell how good he was because he looked like he was playing with kids that didn't belong any, on a court anywhere close to him. However, he's doing the same thing now in college and he's only 18, year old, 18 years old. rather. So he's playing against guys that are uh, a little bit older than him uh, and making them look like kids. So it, the hype seems to be real. Uh, he's sort of like a, a frame we haven't seen. LeBron-ish uh, as far as size goes. He's six seven. Heavier than LeBron, they town him at, at 125 to 130 kg, which is massive uh, for a guy that athletic. Um, so sort of in that realm of LeBron and, and, and a freak athlete like they, they said with LeBron. I, mean, I think it's interesting, Steve Kerr said after a game that he's always already got his eye on him and said, I thought LeBron was a one-time deal, but it seems like the next guy's coming. Uh, meaning, obviously, we'd never seen anything like LeBron James as far as a pure athlete goes, just a freak athlete. But it seems like this guy is almost a heavier version of LeBron. Slightly shorter and not as rangy, I don't think. Probably he doesn't look as much like a basketball player when you look at him. He yeah. almost looks like a footy player, well, a football player, American football I'm talking about, not Aussie rules. <laughs> um, so uh, 
he's almost got that build about him. So it's interesting. He doesn't. LeBron still looked like a basketball player as his length and stuff like that. So we just see how he does in the pros, but already he's looking ridiculous. And the funny thing is, Jimmy, he may not be the best player on that Duke team. Is that right? There's another guy called RJ Barrett who's uh, very, very good. And the interesting stat was Zion had the second most points ever on a debut of 28, only beaten by RJ Barrett in the same game who had 33. Right. Um, so the, they actually looking at the two guys and saying, well, right now RJ Barrett's a better all-round player. However, Zion's just such a freak athletically that your eyes are just drawn to him. So, And he's only 18 years old, as I said. So... Definitely was ready to play in the league already. You've got a lot of NBA guys sort of already saying that they don't want to take offensive foul off him. Um, they're not ready to stand in the lane and take a charge from him. So if you've got grown men saying that already, he was definitely to make ready to make the jump from high school to the NBA. So it does sort of call into that a question of the rule of the one and done. And, and I know they're sort of adjusting it now and seeing if they can go straight to the G League for a couple of years and make some money, which is always good. But there's definitely kids that are ready to go straight into the NBA. But you don't no. suspend them. Uh, you don't. You don't do any. And then in the the bus situation where McGregor's attacking that bus, there's like high def cameras ready to capture it, capture it, like so that it, the, the image, the vision's great. Like it just it just yeah. looks like you're all over this. Well, well, we do a show called UFC Embedded where we follow the fighters around. So those cameras were there when when that happened because of that. But do you understand? He got arrested. He went to jail. He, he had to go before the New York, uh, you know, Attorney General, and and, and so what, they already took care of it. What am I going to do? No, but what, you what's could, the suspension well, yeah, going to do? But you could say he was suspended. Yeah, he yeah. was suspended. He he couldn't fight because he was in jail. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get yeah. it. I get it. So the state suspended him, and you said come back and fight again. Yes, Dana White chatting with Walid Ali on Channel Ten. There, a fascinating chat. He's basically accusing him of setting up some of the stuff in the UFC. Is that right, Mark? He's accusing him of being a promoter. But uh, <laughs> Dana White is a promoter. Let's uh, call it what it is. However, uh, I think Dana has some points too in that uh, he's not necessarily going to wish criminal charges in promotion uh, because Connor got banned from fighting in, in the state of New York after that. And obviously, Madison Square Garden, they've been working so long to get fights there. And that was the biggest gate they've ever had. So to get your biggest draw kicked out of the state where you've had the biggest gate, uh, it seems a little bit illogical from a business point of view. So I, don't, I think that's all Dana needed to say in that situation. Um, Waleed seemed to be, you know, pressing a little bit for... Uh, so I think that's all Dana White needed to do was just sort of put that point across. But Waleed sort of seemed to be going for the jugular a little bit and trying to get the hot take there, which sometimes <laughs> happens on the project. I like the show a lot, uh, but it seems like one of them normally goes in the interviews a little bit for the jugular and tries to get a little bit of a rise out of the uh, talent. Um, so Dana was in his rights. He, he, he got a bit heated there for a bit, but more heated when afterwards when he was speaking at Rolling Stone and he was a bit more derogatory in what he was saying it, there. It wasn't happy. No, it wasn't. He had the right to be, but at the same time, it's a fair point to ask because... I mean, it wasn't bad for the fight. The, I, I think the thing that happened after the fight was a bad look for the UFC and the fight far far worse. But Terrible. if you thought, well, well, he'd had a point in that if you thought it was so bad, why did you include it in the in the run-up to the fight? Why would you include it on the package in the run-up to promote the fight? You wouldn't. If you thought it was that terrible, you wouldn't. But I think, so part of what they were saying, both of them was true. But Dana, all he really had to say was the point about the NYC and the and the state 
banning Connor from fighting there. I think that's his go-home point, which I think he did in Rolling Stone, but he didn't in the moment. So that would have been better if he said it there. Uh, case closed in that point. But he also should have said, well, look, as it turned out, nothing bad happened from that. We were very lucky. So, yeah, we included it in the in the package to promote the fight because people were interested in storylines. So there's nothing wrong with saying that either as a promoter. It's entertainment. Yeah. However, I think the thing that happened after the fight, I think he would seriously feel about that, that that's a bad look for the fight. Now, whether or not he promotes that if there's a rematch in the package, that's another story again because, again, it's storyline. So people do want to see it. However, I think he would have been much more upset about the thing that happened afterwards there. Uh, obviously, Connor got out of that unscathed with the uh, bus situation. But, oh, yeah. Uh, he got away with one. Yeah, it was, it was it was interesting. But, I mean, I guess that's what people get blurred between the UFC and the WWE. The WWE is all storyline. And, and the UFC have definitely taken a portion of that and put it into their business plan. Uh, so I think that's where people get confused sometimes. But it's not the same sport. So Dana's still going to be a little bit careful. And he doesn't want his guys getting suspended from states from fighting. On a lighter note, Mark, I don't know if you saw this during the week, but Cristiano Ronaldo in the news for a bit of a, a bit of a gaffe. Uh, he made a mistake. Well, it wasn't his mistake. He did the right thing, actually. A fan came down to the change rooms after a game, and a fan uh, standing next to him, arm around him, uh, they just got off the pitch and they're smiling for the camera, doing the right thing. Right. Taking a photo with a fan. Awesome. Yeah. But there was a problem with the photo. What was the problem with the photo? They're, they were in the change rooms after the game, obviously, and uh, in the background of the photo, there's a few uh, a few things that weren't supposed to be in the photo. A few of the other players walking around uh, without any clothes. Oh, un, un, <laughs> unclothed teammates. Is that what you get that, Jimmy? Yeah, they were, okay. well, they were naked. Was it frontal or, or, or rear? Side on. Side on. Oh, yeah. so you get the best of both worlds. Right. Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> Okay. Well, hopefully, I mean, for the player in question, hopefully it wasn't too cold. You worry about that first initially if you're Ronaldo because you've got to get a lot of clicks on your photo. So you'd definitely be worried about, you know, was it, how cold was it in the room at the time? Was a guy warmed up? We don't want shrinkage. Um, I mean, that's the main thing the soccer players would care about, I think, moving forward. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, he's doing the right thing. He's taking a picture with the fan. No harm to Ronaldo there. As I said, you just got to do a solid by, by his mate and make sure... But it's hard to do. It's hard to govern after that, isn't it? Because out there. Putting yourself in the shoes of the person that took that photo mm. and, and looking back at it and yeah. seeing that they've done it. Has that has something like this ever happened to you where you do something and you, <laughs> you look back and you go, oh, I should not have done that. That was oh, just silly. I think, I think we've all had <laughs> yeah. periods of time in our life where we've thought that, Jimmy. But um, not, not on that level. I haven't really taken a fan picture and caught a mate in the background <laughs> side on, full frontal. So to speak. I'm glad you haven't. No, yeah, well, it's good. I'm sure my friends are glad too. But um, it's interesting. I mean, there are, there is always cropping. You can crop. You can edit out. So if the person is really nice and really a fan of Ronaldo and his teammates, he'll do the right thing. He'll make sure. But apparently he hasn't done the right thing already because no, the pitch has got out. Yeah. So, well, that's what he should have done. Hindsight's but too low. He was just wanted to post it straight away so he could have it. He could get the clicks. He could get the likes. And look what's happened. Hindsight is far who, too late. Who was the player in question? Do we know? Or is it, or is it he can't be named? Uh, the player in question, I don't know if I'm saying this right, Giorgio Cellini? Oh, okay. Well, Giorgio, yeah. Well, Giorgio's got you know, a decision to make then. Hopefully he's happy with the picture how it came out. Uh, but that's that's the main thing here. But I mean, if everyone's good, everyone's good, I think, Jimmy. One would assume Giorgio is a reasonably proud man of his, you know, bits if he's walking around Starkers all the time in the background of 
photos and nonchalant in the locker room. So, you know, you would you would err on the side of yeah, he's confident. I think I think he'll be fine. Thank you so much for listening into the Comedy Williams podcast. Another episode down, episode two, and we are available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and a whole other range of places that you like to get your podcasts. Mark, we have run out of time. We didn't even discuss Mello leaving the building, which you foreshadowed last week. It's all right, Jimmy. He's gone. It's okay. It's okay. Call me Chemistry Damas. It's, uh, <laughs> it's fine.